in a language accessible around the world. It should come as no surprise to you then. The Old Testament is packed with prophecies about the unfolding plan of God. And that before he sent Jesus into the world, God took steps to prepare the way for him and to help prepare the people for him so they might recognize him when he came. So over the course of the next few weeks, as we celebrate, walk through this Advent season together, we're going to take a little bit of time to consider just a few of the Old Testament prophecies about this coming one. During this time, our prayer is that you're instructed, that that, that you're better versed in the Bible, that you're encouraged, that Jesus really is who he says he is, and that you are inspired to take the life you have and spend it preparing for the coming of Jesus and helping other people prepare for that as well. From the very beginning of creation, it has always been God's plan to have a place and a people with whom to share his love and goodness and through whom to establish and spread his kingdom. When our very earliest ancestors ruined that plan, the plan did not change. In fact, God immediately began to speak of one who would come, one he would send to set everything to right again, one who would come to save mankind, to make the world what it was meant to be. One who would come to establish a new heaven and a new earth, a merged heaven and earth, where God himself would live and dwell and rule and reign right in the midst of his people. And God in his infinite kindness and grace gave us pointers to help us recognize that coming one. Lee Strobel calls it fingerprint evidence. Josh McDowell calls it uh, an address in time and space to help you find the one and identify him, to help you know him when he came. Altogether, there are 330 distinct Old Testament prophecies related to this coming one, this coming Messiah and Savior. 60 of them are major messianic prophecies. 270 are ramifications that relate directly to this coming one. And all 330 were uniquely fulfilled in one person, Jesus of Nazareth. What are the odds of that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Peter Stoner, in his book Science Speaks, calculated the odds of one person accidentally fulfilling just eight of those 330 Old Testament prophecies at 1 in 10 to the 17th power. That's one, that's one with 17 zeros after it. 1 in 100 quadrillion. To make that number more understandable, Stoner explained it this way. He said, imagine you took 100 quadrillion quarters and you spread them all over the state of Texas. 100 quadrillion quarters would cover the entire state of Texas to a depth of two feet. Now imagine before you spread the quarters around, you mark one of them with a red X. And you 
you mixed them up really well and spread them around the state of Texas. You took somebody, blindfolded them, randomly dropped them somewhere in the state of Texas, said, wander anywhere you want, as long as you want, and whenever you're ready, bend down, reach as deep as you want to in that two-foot stack of quarters, and pick one. The odds of that person choosing the one quarter marked with a red X out of 100 quadrillion is the same as the odds of one person fulfilling eight of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus. The odds of fulfilling 48 of those prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That number looks like that. (laughs) Too much math for Krista. And that's just for 48 of the prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 330. Let me push this just a little bit for you. Following the flood, what that meant was every single person to come in the world after the flood was going to be descended of one of Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth. By indicating that the Messiah would come, the coming one would come from the line of Shem, God instantly eliminated two-thirds of all humanity from consideration. Genesis 22:18 said the coming one would be a descendant of Abraham. A prophecy that instantly at that moment eliminated the descendant of every other single human being on the planet other than Abraham at that moment. Numbers 24, 17 said the coming one would be a descendant of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. Jacob had a twin brother Esau. By limiting it to the descendants of Jacob, God once again cut the options in half. Isaiah 11, 1 says the coming one would be a descendant of Jesse. Uh, Again, limiting the number farther. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6 said he would be a descendant of David. Instantly eliminated the descendants of seven, the other seven sons of Jesse. The point is simply this. Each unique prophecy of the coming one continued to drastically narrow the options of who it fulfilled to the point that the odds of any one person fulfilling eight of the 330 prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. Jesus fulfilled all 330. Today I want to focus on one prophecy in particular, the prophecy that the coming one would be preceded by a forerunner. By someone sent by God to prepare the way to get the people ready for the one who was to come. And that brings us back to that passage in Mark we we started with together a few minutes ago. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him and on and on it goes. So John the Baptist preceded Jesus telling people to get ready for the one who would come after him. One, John said, whose shoes he was not fit to untie. One whom John said would baptize in the Holy Spirit. One whom John said would take away the sins of the world. And this ministry of John the Baptist was prophesied more than 700 years before Jesus. In this brief passage in Mark chapter 1, Mark Mark actually quotes two Old Testament prophecies. One from Malachi chapter 3 and one from Isaiah chapter 40. Let's start with Malachi 3.1, where God the Father himself is speaking through the prophet Malachi. See, he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. In this particular passage, God begins with the words, In ancient Hebrew, the word translated here, see, is a primitive interjection. 
Basically, God was saying, hey, yo, look, listen, I am going to send someone to fix everything, and before he comes, I'm sending someone to get you ready. You need to pay attention. Let me share a few quick thoughts with you right here first. Notice that God, in his orderliness and in his mercy, sent someone to get folks ready. And I really hope you understand, he did not have to do that. God was under no obligation to send someone to prepare anyone for what he was doing. This was God's rescue mission. He could easily have said, ready or not, here I come. And yet the truth is, in some ways, he did do that. Because once God was ready, once God decided the time was right, Jesus was going to come, whether you were ready or not. But God, in his mercy, sent someone ahead of Jesus to help get people ready. Second, I want you to notice that God took this sending upon himself. He said, I will send my messenger ahead. From time to time, I encounter people, I actually not infrequently encounter Christians who feel like Jesus is good and kind and nice and sweet and loving. That God the Father is tough and stern and unyielding. God the Father sitting in heaven just itching to judge you. But make no mistake about it, Jesus and the Father are one. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means in Jesus. You have a perfect look at the Father. A few weeks ago, my son Alex pointed out to me that one of the fundamental reasons Jesus came was to show you what the Father is like, to show you who the Father really is, to help you see him and understand him as he really is. This rescue mission was the Father's idea. So the Father took it upon himself to send someone to get folk ready. Third, Make sure you notice who it is he says ultimately is coming. It's the Lord you are seeking, he says. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire. This coming one is the Lord, the king, the sovereign ruler and master. In Hebrew, the word is the adon, the sovereign who is in control. Last Sunday was Christ the King Sunday. It's a Sunday on the church calendar where we particularly focus on Jesus as king. Christ as king, we worship and celebrate Christ as king, and not just as a king, but Christ the king, the once and for all and forever king, the king of all kings, the one the Father said would come to establish his once and forever kingdom. Daniel also prophesied about this coming king. Daniel wrote this, In my vision at night I looked, And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Let me stop here for a second to say this. Nobody approaches the Ancient of Days. The Bible says he lived an unapproachable life. When when Moses asked to see his glory, God said, you can't look on me directly, you would die. And yet this one Daniel saw in this vision was right up to him. He goes on. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the king who was to come. This is the king prophesied in Malachi and heralded by John the Baptist. 
the one who's coming we anticipate in Advent, we celebrate at Christmas. Here at Resurrection Church, as part of those celebrations every year, we bring out the nativity scene and we use it to help decorate the center and remind us of that anticipation. But this year at Advent, I want to encourage you to focus your anticipatory energy this year, not so much at a baby in a manger, but into he who is coming, the Lord, the ruler, the Adon of God, promised by the Father, prophesied by many, pointed to by John the Baptist, who came as a baby in a manger, but who has long since grown up from there who is right now seated in glory and who is one day soon coming back, not to giggle and coo and warm hearts, but to rule and to reign in glory and to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that will never end. He's coming and you need to be ready. He came the first time to a manger. He is coming back to a throne. So one of the prophecies about this coming one was that he would be preceded by a forerunner, sent by God to get people ready. Malachi wrote about it, so did the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. And here again you find that forerunner crying out, calling to the people, urging everyone to get ready, prepare the way, make straight paths. Raise up the valleys, fill in the trenches, knock down the mountains, smooth out the rough spots, clear away the rubble. Get ready. The king is coming. That was the message of John the Baptist way back in, and it must be our message today. People need to get ready. You need to get ready because the king is coming. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel was sent to the priest Zechariah to tell him about a son he was going to have. That son turned out to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. And part of what Gabriel told Zechariah was this, is that he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That was the mission of John the Baptist. That was the call, the mission of this forerunner to point people toward Jesus and help them get ready for him. Many, 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 many years ago, the Lord burned the words of the last part of Luke 117 into my heart to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There are no words I have ever read in Scripture that more deeply, fully resonate with me in terms of why I am alive. I believe this is my calling. I believe this is your calling to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As a person who must one day stand before God, I must strive to make sure I am ready. As a husband and a father, I must labor to do my best to help my family be ready. As a minister of the gospel called to this local congregation, I must work to help you be ready. As a follower of Jesus in this world, I need to share the love of God and the good news of Jesus with anyone who will listen, any chance I can, making the most of every opportunity to help anybody I can get ready. 
2,000 years ago, God in his mercy sent Jesus. Someday soon, God in his mercy will send him again. And God in his mercy wants people to be ready. I believe God wants us, you and I, that he is calling us to be a last days John the Baptist cohort. A group of people who live together and function together and labor together to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Before the Father sent Jesus the first time, he sent John the Baptist to get people ready. And I believe before he sends Jesus the second time, he is sending you and me to get people ready. The King is coming. Are you ready? And if you are personally ready, will you take up that forerunner mantle to help others be ready as well? word that calls us, your word that directs us, your word that leads and guides and corrects and instructs us. Lord, we thank you in your mercy and your kindness that before Jesus came the first time, you sent someone to get people ready. And we believe on the authority of the Great Commission from Matthew 28 and basically the testimony of the entire New Testament, you are sending us to do the same right now, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord to be ready ourselves and to help others be ready. With the prophet, we say, here am I, send me. Here we are, send us, O Lord. And we also pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. And we're going to worship the Lord as we...